0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage, this is episode number 441 featuring Andrew McDonald, who I was known as Andy Mack. Uh, he is an amazing person. He is a creative director, a supervisor, and flame artist. Uh, I've known him for many years. He and I worked at Method together, but we've known each other before then. Uh, fantastic person. Uh, taken some incredible career choices and uh, done some incredible risky things to get those jobs, including sneaking into parties and all that stuff. He's got wonderful stories uh, and as a wonderful person. And it was really cool to be able to catch up with him. And Hear what he had to say. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for actually for years and years and years, and we finally had the opportunity to meet up. Uh, Not only that, uh, as you guys know, I do these podcasts remotely now ever since the pandemic, but he decided he wanted to do it in person. So yes, we went to uh, the studio uh, in Culver City and we recorded it in person uh, and I had to include video. So now you can get a little video of us at the studio recording a podcast if you guys watch us on YouTube. So it was really cool to to see him in person and actually go out to lunch together and just get back to some of those normal things we used to do before the pandemic. Uh, And as you can tell, Andy's a really amazing person. So it was really nice to be able to share some of that with you guys as well. Uh, Okay. We have a couple of announcements. I've mentioned Vantage 2 as being a major product. I'm very excited about it. I've been uh, using it every day, actually, <laughs> recently. Uh, I've been doing some incredible work on it. You guys definitely should go check that out. Just go to chaos.com and check out all the new advances in Vintage 2. I will be talking a little bit about that and an event. Uh, and you can find out about all our events at chaos.com slash events. Uh, and I will be at the Rainbow Conference in uh, in in London, which is happening this week as as this podcast is coming out. It'll be between August 29th and August thirty first. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, I will actually be talking on the thirty first uh, and uh, announcing uh, you know maybe a couple of ideas that's going on in the Innovation Lab. So you should definitely come check that out. I would love to see you there again. That is at the Rainbow Conference in London, and you can check out all these things at chaos.com slash events. Now, if you guys want to know more about the podcast, of course, you can always Check it out on our podcast page, which is chaos.com slash cggarage. You can also check out our, our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash podcast. If you'd like to watch any of these podcasts, that's also it's great. You can, again, like I said, check out our studio. That is youtube.com slash tv. And of course, if you have ideas for podcasts, we've been getting some really great ones recently. Uh, we'd love to hear your suggestions. Our email is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 441 with Andy Mack. Welcome to another CG garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high
1: dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now.
0: All right, Andy. Like I said, this is I haven't done this in person in a long time, and I am kind of nervous, believe it or not. Because really? I, normally I like now I've got this whole thing. And it's like no, no, I'm going to do it in person. We're going to ha- hang. We get the old days, which we're going to do, is yeah. like, I would do a podcast and we'd go out to a nice lunch and hang out, which we're going to do, and it's going to be a great Friday. It's going to be uh-huh. a great Friday. I'm ready for
1: a good Friday. Okay, good. What?
0: But uh, I do, I do have, I have gotten pretty good at these uh, podcasts over the last nine years. So uh, I want to know. I've known you for many years. We've known each other for many years. But one of the things I love about this podcast is getting to know someone in a way that I never had the opportunity to do before. So I'm going to start asking you some more questions. And you brought your resume because you're having a hard time remembering
1: your past. That's right. <laughs> many, many lives. I feel like I've had many, many lives. Okay. And uh I think most of my was kind of having a good time and drunk or whatever, and so I, I was like, well, <laughs> it's too early in the morning to be drunk and opening the box, right, so I thought, I'm just going to go back and look at what things I've done in case you ask about it.
0: Yeah, well, how did it start for you? How, how did you get interested in i mean doing what you do like what, was it in school was it like you know was it I watched Star Wars and I was in love with that, or
1: <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think like a lot of people my age. I just loved Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Alien, you know, Blade Runner, all of those movies just right. blew my socks off. And I grew up in the industrial north of England where mm-hmm. shipbuilding, steel, coal, petrochemicals were the businesses of the time, which were all gone, so it was the industrial north, it was bleak. Right. So the only thing I was good at because I wasn't very good at school, it was art. So I ended up I found my way to art school and um it's a traditional painting school, but they did have a film and TV department, which I gravitated towards and just hung out and played with the toys.
0: And what year was this about?
1: That was in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was definitely in the 80s, um, okay. mid 80s. And then I left art school and my brother's a cinematographer and he's like, all right, so what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. And he's like, everyone who's an art student ends up picking strawberries or working for the mail for a couple of years, and then they have to retrain. So he dragged me around. I told him films was a thing. So he's like, okay, come on set. I'm a Zulu music video. Go off around, empty the trash. And he did different things. And then he introduced me to a guy called Tim Olive at Peerless Camera Company, mm-hmm. an optical house in London. And i loved the movie brazil and that they, they had worked on brazil right. and this guy had done the compositing of the the guy was the wings the yeah, angel yeah, yeah. so i was like oh, i want to meet this guy he's a god mm-hmm. so this guy was um i wrote to him and said could i come and hang out and he let me hang out with him mm-hmm. i stood in the corner of his room he drank a lot and he farted a lot and he didn't <laughs> let you open the door, so he used to chuckle away. But he showed me aerial and drostrum, and then I hung out with them doing optical image camera work and they had a motion control rig, and so and it was all dark and black, and I was like besotted with it. So I was like, I think I want to do film opticals, right. and um, they offered me a little internship there, which lasted quite a short time, wasn't very long. Baron Munchausen period, right? Nice and. um Then I knew I wasn't going to get a real job, and there was this talk of computer software coming out and digital stuff was coming out, and I was like, oh, that sounds beyond my scope because I don't do that. And a a friend um, that I met there said, well, why don't you try um, photography? Because you were good at photography at school and printing. So I ended up getting a job in a photo lab. I went over there for advice, and they were like, we'll hire you. So I was printing exhibition prints for Nick Knight and people like that, doing these great big prints. But I'm spending all day in boxer shorts in an unair conditioned photo lab with another guy. And all you can hear is tapping on the walls and on the doors. And I was going a little bit loopy doing it. And they were talking about these digital things that are coming that are going to ruin our industry. And I was just kind of freaking out. But it didn't feel sexy. And I was in London, and I was looking for, like, the life, the club life was just starting. And then I discovered a company called Rush's Post Production. Oh, yeah. And I begged and squealed to try and get in there. And I couldn't get in until I eventually rang them and said, who do I talk to, to work for free? And the receptionist didn't have an answer for that. So she put me up to the head of production and I, and they were like, what? I said, I want to work for free, no money, but I want to work. And no one had an answer for that You know, because there was like a massive waiting list for the runner's jobs. So eventually it got through to the owner of the company, Godfrey Pye. Mm -hmm. And he said, what do you want to work for for?" And I was like, I think you're a cool company and I want the opportunity to work there. But I don't think you should pay for training me. Just let me work here for free. And if I like it, then I'll apply. And he was like, you're a stupid start on Monday. (laughs) So I, I, I started on Monday, much to the annoyance of the HR department. And I fell in love with that company right. and I lived in the kitchen and I interviewed every single person that came into the kitchen. I was like, what do you do? What do you do? And how do you like your coffee? And I'll make it for you. And they're like, I'll make it for myself. And I'm like, no, no. But while I had them for that two minutes while I made them tea and coffee, right. you're, you're an accountant, you're an online editor, you're telecine. And so I zapped them all for information. What's and, telecine? <laughs> yeah, what's telecine? Yeah, that weird thing. And so then later in the day when they didn't ask for it, I'd make them their tea. I remembered wow. it. And with a biscuit, just how they liked it. And they were like, "Uh, I didn't order this. And I said, yeah, I know. And they're like, oh, it's exactly how I like it. And so they liked me. (laughs) So I stayed as long as I could financially afford to hang out there. And then um, when I left, I told everyone, everyone everyone's like, you can't fire that guy. He's like our best runner. He's like, he brings me a vodka and orange at night. And he brings me my favorite tea with a biscuit. Mm. So I jumped the queue and got hired there as a runner. And then I basically slept there. Mm. I'd leave on a night and creep back in because I had the keys and I'd sleep on the couches and I'd put fresh laundry under the, the sofas and I'd go to Chinatown to clean them. And I kind of got self-taught on the Harry. And wow. one of their main guys, a guy called Dave Hughes, he, um, I, he became my mentor, like one of my angels. Tim olive was like an angel. He uh-huh. was an angel. People that just sort of took me under their wing and showed me stuff without really needing to, just because they, you know, took a shine to me. Sure. And uh, it, me and him kind of were doing some projects on the side for fun and the company didn't like that and so we got let go and uh, then I bumped into my next angel was Tony Kay oh, wow. and so I just busted my knees, right, and so I'm limping on crutches through Soho and the rain and uh, with Dave and we'd just been fired and uh, Tony Kay came up and he goes, hey Dave I've worked with you before, I need you on a job and Tony Kay um when we told Tony K we, we didn't work there anymore. Uh-huh. And he was like, just turn up at this address. So we started turning up on these shoots. And we were just standing. You just stand by the camera. And I'd stand by the camera like five feet away. Mm-hmm. And every time I went to move, he's like, where are you going? Stand by there. So you're like, oh, I need to pee. I need to pee. Mm-hmm. But I'm just standing there. And hey, Tony, the camera's on. He'd scream at you. Don't ever tell me the camera's on. Oh, sorry. He just mm-hmm. turns it on and leaves it run, you know. And he was doing all these jobs. And then eventually the producer said, where do I send the film? And I was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're doing the post on the job. And I was like, I'm living in like a house with four of the students. Uh, okay. <laughs> and so he was called Dave Hughes. I was called Annie McDonald. And Hughes McDonald was our first company. Wow. And that's how it started.
0: That's amazing. That is, uh, that is quite, the, quite the incredible
1: thing. Rushes is still around, isn't it? I, I believe so, or it was maybe last year. Part of year. Method? Maybe like, they got bought up. I think I, – I wasn't sure, but they had, like, a big party last year. Right. I saw it online, and I didn't know if it was, like, the 25 or 50 years of rushes or whether it was a closing party. Okay. But I don't know for sure because I have felt a little bit out of touch with the world over right. the COVID days. Yeah. Yes, I hear you. But it was, a, like, a fantastic – I mean, everyone was in, like, leather pants and cool and music videos, and everything was, like, cool. And I was like, you know, I'd done – practical effects so you're in a boiler suit up at five in the morning with super glue and fiberglass and i was like yeah i like the idea of it but making puppets and stuff is hard work sure opticals you're in the dark all the time and the industry was shutting down and photography was you're in the dark all the time with air conditioning and i was suddenly like i found the the nirvana right everyone's cool and trendy and they've got money and they're all getting sushi dinners and drinking champagne and (laughs) it's like it's the rock stars i was like i want in on this right so it was very seductive. And,
0: but I mean, obviously, did you guys have a computer? Did you guys have a Harry? I mean, what were you, you going to do on that? First? Well,
1: the, what happened is I covered four different commercials before any of them were finished editing. Okay. And then these checks started to arrive with my name on it. And I happened to talk. There was a company called The Bureau. Mm-hmm. And I went to talk to the person who ran the place and just happened to say, I've got all these checks. And I showed him, and he freaked out. And he goes, you're not even going to incorporate it. So he frog marched me to his accountant, who freaked out. And we picked the name of the company, and we made a company that day so we could bank the checks and get a bank account and be legit. Because he's like, what you're doing is totally, like, wrong. And, um, and then I said to him, well, I've got all of this work coming in. And they were a new post house. So right. I said, could I four wall? You're Harry. Uh-huh. And uh, um, you could you do the Telestinian and you can do all the dubbing and everything. Yep. So essentially it's your, you'll do all the infrastructure. I'll just do all the creative. Right. And it was a fantastic deal for a, a year or two where I would get jobs and I would be allowed to four wall. Me and my partner would both run the machines and right. it was so successful. And, you know, we were stealing lots of Rush's clients because we were going on set where they would never really send anyone set. Gotcha. We would do the meetings. We'd go to editorial and we'd have an opinion and we'd sit in the telecine and say, well, we need a flat pass. Mm-hmm. Not that that was any good, really, but keep it flat so we can key off of it at least and then sure. we'll grade it. And um, I heard it was just making it up as I went along, you know. I mean, we just... My uh, friend from art school came down, so I hired her as a receptionist, so she'd answer the phone, and it just kind of evolved.
0: Wow. Okay. So, when was this? When did you start that first company?
1: I'm going to have to put my glasses on for this one. Um, Hughes McDonald. Oh, yeah. There it is. Um, 1990 to 1998. Okay. And... um, we had a friend who was building a motion control camera, yep. so we got involved with him. Uh, we had a, um, a, a Nick Comecio, and so he built this thing called The Falcon, mm-hmm. which ended up, I think, getting sold to the mill. And then we had another relationship with um, a producer called Tiggy Gatfield, and she had a production company, Wow House, so we directed through her mm-hmm. commercials. We looked after Tony Kaye and a ton, a ton of big London directors at the time, and we became like really like hip and it was a bit of a mystique really nowadays it'd be like a bit of a scam but we were we were knocking the goods out right. but we were just making it up with you know my pants are like a monsoon tropical rainforest of tension <laughs> moist and sweaty all the time because i was just looking going yeah sure i can do that and then i'd be like <sighs> in the bathroom later um then we had a our cg would go through a company called lost in space christian Hogg. okay he uh, he'd, he'd done stuff at ilm in the first 42 people that were there so he was doing all of our cg and then we got involved in a, a company called red post which actually was a facility without staff it had the runners and receptionists but it didn't have artists and so it was like a four-wall factory right You'd, every freelancer that was all the flame artists or harry artists were becoming freelance and they would rent the place right but it would be their name on the door when they were there and then it would go be someone else's name when they were there right um And it all went really, really well until everyone started wanting to do different things. Sure. And, you know, I wasn't a businessman. I was just a creative kind of scallywag art student was just couldn't believe his luck. And um, I sort of got kind of – I felt like I was in a prison and I read about digital domain. Okay. And um, I read about this company that was putting flames in in Venice and they were doing True Lies and – there were Titanic. There was whispers of Titanic and stuff like that were were out, and I was like, I would sell everything because I've built myself a prison. I've got this com- company of companies, mm-hmm. but it's a prison. Like I'm not learning anything new. Right. And um, I was like, I'd give it all up to be a flame artist at Digital Domain just to see how the Americans do it because they're doing something like what looks radical. Right. And um, I kind of got stressed out, and my 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 main partner Dave Hughes was on his own mission to do not do any work at all and just take a lot of money out of the company. So I just walked out. I just said, I don't want any of my shares. I don't want to keep anything. I just want to walk away without being sued so you can have it. And I just walked away. I just walked away. Wow. All right. I bought a burner phone as I was walking through Soho. And I was thinking um, my long-term girlfriend at the time was going to kill me because we had a mortgage and everything. And I um, visited MPC, uh, one of my friends, MPC, who was pregnant. Mm-hmm. and I, I, she was showing me her shot her job she was working on i told her that i just grenaded my job and i was i think i'd lost my mind and then um i just made it home NPC calls me and says she's gone into early labor and she said you're the guy that can fix it and i was like fix it fix what i don't know anything and she said well she just downloaded to you exactly where her sh- job is and her setups are okay. so you could come back and fix it do it while she's having a baby and i was like Uh, I'm not freelance because that's a dirty word. And um, I said, I'm independent. And they said, we don't care what the hell you are. Can you come over and we'll pay you? So I went back and um, jumped on the machine and figured out what you'd done and finished that job. And so I became a freelancer for Framestore and MPC and a bunch of other companies, The Mill. Mm -hmm. But I was more like the man in black because I was too known to be, I was kind of competition at times. Mm -hmm. So I would just go in in the middle of the night and I, and all the jobs that they had that were going wrong, I just work on it anonymously for them, leave a little note for the artist in the morning and said, uh, this is what I've done. And I just got very lucky and I did a bunch of jobs that were in, in real bad way that had gone like six weeks and the clients were angry and I'd single handedly come in one night and finish it and I'd be like, how'd you do that? And I'm just like, well, that, was, that guy had something good, and then he had something good, so I just glued them together and made a frat patchwork, and it sort of seemed to work right. under, without too much scrutiny. And so I got a reputation as this hot freelancer. Right. And uh, I lived like that for a year or were two. Were you doing
0: this on flames? or?
1: I, I could do Harry, Henry, and Flame. Okay. So uh, they were my, you know, box of choices. I think I had, like, I actually bought, like, maybe the third Flame in yes. london okay um didn't really know how to use it no sure. i've never really known how to use any of the gear i just sort of press buttons and it kind of pops up the answer <laughs> and then i went to a party and met scott ross wow i, f- I did a, a trip called fear and Loathing uh, to wales okay so nick my um uh associate friend who was running the motion control sure he goes we're gonna go to it was like a a SIGGRAPH type thing, but it was in Wales, right? Wales, for those that don't know Wales, is provincial, beautiful countryside, lovely people, but not famous for industry or animation or anything. Sure. And so he goes, all right, Andy, let's get your Alfa Romeo, and we'll get loads of booze, and we'll go down, and I've got tickets, and we're going to see this guy, Scott Ross. And I was like, who's Scott Ross again? I hadn't put him with digital domain. Mm -hmm. So we drive down there, and on the trip, he tells me what he's been doing with his latest business ventures. And Scott has. No, uh, Nick, my Nick. friend Nick, okay. the motion control guy. And um, he'd he done a few things that I just was like, that's a disaster. That's going to backfire. So we get to the motel room, not hotel, mm-hmm. and it isn't a room each. It's a shared room, mm-hmm. and we empty the minibar while I'm helping him make phone calls to get out of this bad deal he's just made. Right. And then we go to get into the party, and he doesn't have tickets. So we end up having to break into the bathroom. We climb through the bathroom window to get in. And I'm like, so this fear and in I was imagining being like James Bond and swanking in and having right. a good time. And I was feeling a little bit like, you know, some petty criminal stealing toilet rolls. <laughs> and the security guard sees me climbing in the window. So we're like hounded at this party all night. Like every time we pop up, someone's like, there they are. <laughs> and um, anyway, it was, it was a good party and, I met a guy from the computer film company who was very competitive, and he's like, "Oh, I bet you can't drink a, long, a pint of Long Island iced tea," and I'm like, "I wouldn't want to, but yeah, sure, okay." <laughs> so he gets these two pints, and then he go, and <laughs> I don't really drink mine, and he drinks it, and I went, "Okay, that's him shut up." He was not going to bother me anymore tonight because he's smashed. Right. And um, I went off to the bathroom, and I see Scott Ross and um, Patrick Davenport. Yeah. Pushes me in front of him and says, because he worked at MPC, he says, Scott, you should meet Andy. He's our main freelance guy because they didn't want anyone poaching their staff. So he goes, Sure. So a bunch of people had said to Scott, he's the man to talk to. Guy from FrameSource said, he's the man to talk to. Right, because you're a freelance Because I'm freelance. Right. So Scott's like, I want to chat to you. And I'm like, Well, I'm going to the head. And okay. everyone had been kissing his ass. And I was just like, oh, I'm a bit drunk. Mm-hmm. So he follows me to the loo and we're both in there. And he's like, Yeah, I've been drinking too. And I'm like, Really? What you been drinking? Bird light. <laughs> I was being a dick. And because um, this is England, you know, we drink real beer. And he's like, you've got, to, you've got to come over to America. I've been drinking real beer. and I'll show you digital. And I mean, we're a cool company. And I'd I said, no, you run a sweatshop. You chain people to a desk, you burn them out, and then you just toss them out like you use, pe- you know, grape peels. And he was like, that's, that's, he was just flabbergasted at that accusation. Right. Um, And then I disappeared, had a good night. And then a few days later, I get a phone call. And um, my uh, Leo, became my wife, goes, there's a guy, um, uh, this digital domain is calling from America. And I'm like, really? And I'm on the phone. They're like, we've got your tickets. You can fly over. Stay 10 days. We'll put you in a hotel. We'll show you. Scott wants to show you. So I was like, okay. Put the phone down. I'm like, that's weird. But I've got a vacation in LA. And then the phone rang again. And it was um, Industrial Light and Magic. Because I think they spy on each other's oh, recruiting. Yeah? And so they, Especially with Scott. Right. <laughs> so then I get a call and I'm like, yes. And they're like, we'd like you to come over and have lunch at the ranch and meet George Lucas. And we, we're looking for a supervisor. So I was like, I'm going to be in America. So then they booked a week up there. Okay. And then Greenberg's did the same thing. Wow. Right? In New York, they called. And all in one day. And I was sitting in the living room in England kind of going – this is very weird. Let's go get a curry because something's happening. So I had a curry. And thought so I think they've got the wrong guy. But I'm not going to be the one to say no because this looks like it could be fun. Right. So I went on my American adventure. All right. And that got, that's how I got here. They, I came over and interviewed with them all or chatted to them all. Not interviewed. Chatted to them sure. all. And um, I was like, this place is cool, right? America is cool. I mean, English. Especially in that time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I saw the the digital domain building and I got a tour of ILM. And this is where the magic comes from, right? This is all the stuff that I dreamt about came from here. And I was just like, wow, I can't believe they're calling me because I still feel like a chancer. I don't feel like I've read a book or educated. I'm just making it up as I go along. Right. I was like, okay. Sony did uh, Sony as well. They approached me, and I was just like, okay, how do you pick? Sony was brand new. They were doing contact, Yep. I mean, it looked a bit corporate, their offices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ILM, they're all talking about eagle watching and hiking, and they're out in nature. And, I mean, I was in the height of the club scene in London, so mm. I was a bit baffled by exercise and <laughs> nature. I was like, what does that mean? Um, and Greenberg's looked good. But I thought, you know, I've been living the high life in London. If I go to New York, I'll probably just burst like a firework. It's like too much fun. I won't concentrate on work. Sure. In digital domain, the people were fine. It was close to the beach. They'd go to the the firehouse and drink beers. And I was like, digital domain looks like the one. The pirate flag, it seduced me. Those guys, you know, 1.0 were... That just it was romantic, and it looked kind of loose and flexible. And mm-hmm. ILM, you know, you have to kill a person to get a, an upgrade there. I was like, how No, do- you
0: start in the vaults, and you're yeah.
1: yeah. I was like, Okay, if I come in and I'm at this position, how do I end up being the supervisor? Well, someone's got to die, right? And I was like, You mean you have to kill them? No, they get old and they move on. And I was like, That could take a while. <laughs> I'm i gonna hurry here, right? So um, eventually, after a summer of courtship with uh, with all of these companies. Digital Domain. I said yes to Digital Domain. and um,
0: What was your first project there?
1: It was an absolute disaster, actually. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was a disaster because I came over and, you know, Scott, um, uh, Cameron, and Stan Winston were right. in my interview. And they're all in Scott's little office. And I came in and um, I was cocky. And they were just, they were all sitting with their feet up, smoking cigars. And they came in and they're like, well, we hear you're pretty good and that lot. And, you know, you want to start. And so they're like, you know, well, how much do you want to earn? And we're thinking of offering you this. And I said, okay, so that'll get me through the first weekend. This is what I expect to be paid. And they were so shocked that they fell off of their chairs, right? And then they're all in a big pile. I said, I'll go to the bar and I'll come back later. And I was like, I'm going to get fired before I start. Well, anyway, so I went in there with, you know, whispers of this English guy coming, which, upset the local American uh, sure. supervisors, I think, probably because, you know, they're like, what are we, chopped liver? Right. Because they were all pretty um, uh, hot at the time. You know, they were all very powerful. Fred Ramondi and right. uh, Ray and uh, Les and people like that. There was a bunch of people there that were like good guys. Right. And um, they give me this uh, Dell commercial, and um, I didn't know anything about digital man's pipeline, tracking, what you could and couldn't do in CG. And they didn't really provide me a supervisor that that helped me so i went on set and i was like yeah i can do that yeah you can do this and yeah you can do that right yeah big mistakes and then it came back and it was just like they couldn't get it tracked they didn't put things in right focus messed it up and um i remember price pethel uh seeing me in the parking lot because oh you're the new guy right heard so many good things about you oh by the way you're completely fucked. I've looked at that job you shot, totally fucked. (laughs) So it was, um, they got Kerry Villegas and Brian Grill and all the hardcore film guys had to get pulled off of Titanic for a weekend, I think, um, to help bail me out on my first disaster. Um, And they described it, they're like, well, we wanted you to come here and like make an impression. We didn't say, tie a bomb to you and it'd detonate you in a parking lot <laughs> so i was very cautious by the next job but um i think the next job was a so-so job i think it might have been a coca-cola job okay and then my third job i was like this is it if i cock up another job like i'd already gone from being like give him the biggest job in the building to give him a little one you know monitor comps you know a little bit of blue screen cg and i was like I've already been downloaded in people's vision. This isn't going right. to last long. And um you know that scene in the player where they go out to the desert yes. and they stay in that uh, uh wonderful little spa and they're in the mud yes, 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 and he gets yes. a phone call. I was so stressed. We did that. I took uh my uh Leo, my partner out there mm-hmm. and we're in the mud pool. And I was like so tweaked because I, I just moved there and I just cocked it up. And, um, I got the phone call to come back. I was like, it's just like the movie. <laughs> and they, they got a Bruce Doward job. And um, Bruce Doward didn't really care for the other supervisors. He'd worked with them. And he was a bit tough to work with. And okay. nobody else wanted to deal with it. So they're like, we're going to give it to McDonald. Right. We'll give him the unknown thing. Bruce can't complain about him because he's never worked with him. Right. And, and he doesn't know Bruce because it's going to be intense. Right. And so they hooked me up with Bruce on an, a Zuzu giant job. There's a black and white job, a giant stamping around trying to catch the car. Right. And I was in this mood which was like, I don't give a fuck about you, Bruce, because if I screw this up, I'm out. Right. And he's like, I don't know who you are. You're going to do what I want. Right. So we butted heads, and um, it was a pretty intense shoot. But I had a lot of fun with it, and Don Lombardo was my producer at the time. And he was like, oh, Andy, don't do that. I'm doing it. Oh. And then the job, I delivered the job, and it was a massive hit. And all of a sudden, I was back in the charts again. Nice. It, it, won, uh, it won something Cleo or something, and Bruce was super happy. And then Bruce Stoward was like, Andy's my man. So every single job Bruce had, I got. Okay. And he was on a run of really big jobs. I think he was doing at least, eight massive commercials a year at least every So you
0: months. were working mainly in the commercial side of things, right? Yeah,
1: I was duped. I wanted to come up for film.
0: But you were working at Bricks Group and all those, right? Yes.
1: Yes, it was um I said I wanted film, but because I had a history of commercials in London. Right. They said, "Well, the commercial division is being formed, right? We do commercials, but we're actually going to open up the other side of the building. We're going to put flames in and and it be its own division." And so I was there right as that division started. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Ed had said, you know, we want a bit of the European flavour. Whatever you do with the European post house, we want to add that here because right now it's really just like the film department kind of running it, in the pipeline's not right. Right. So, um, so I offered my opinion way too often on that, and um, DDD commercials was born. Right. But it was. Um, it was a great time. I mean, we had, I think 10 flames and I think all those guys were rock stars and yeah. Fred and Ray and, and the crew were doing massive jobs. The place was like hopping. It was, it was so much fun and so sure. much energy. Yeah. And even when they did the monthlies, um, the, the commercials would get shown as well. Sure. And you could tell all the film crew that were like, really the people doing the, the very cool stuff right. were whooping and coughing. And it was, it was like a real integration between the commercial and the film. And, Nice. You know, the Station X people kind yeah. of came over and that department was growing, so we had all that power as well. Man, they were they were the sweet rock and roll years. I yeah. didn't realize how good it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well it's not it's not completely the same, <laughs> obviously. But that was something. Oh, tell us a little bit about Station X. Wasn't weren't you part of that as well?
1: No? No, no, no. I wasn't part of it. Um Station X was this uh thing I heard about. Okay. Right. And they had this reputation. And then you know, they they came over to the digital domain in the Titanic days. Okay. And I was very friendly, particularly with um, uh, Andy Lesniak and, and Rusty, yeah. right? Those two guys um, worked on a few jobs with me. And so they then started, I started using them. Like you had a choice. Do you want the Maya guys, Houdini guys, you know, the, right. the Lightwave guys? And so the Lightwave guys had a much more guerrilla approach to things. Uh, absolutely. And that sort of suited very well the commercial world. Yep and um, the speed of it, and also the aesthetic. And the pipeline was a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. So they were a little pirate CG group within the company. And so they worked, that team that came from the Station X team, worked really well with the commercial department. And so that's, right. I just felt like I was one of those guys because I always always was working with Station X people, but right. I wasn't part of the Mark Station Mark Glazer came over too. I think. yeah. <laughs> All these names, these blasphemous past. Yeah, there yeah. were so many names. I
0: worked for Mark uh, at Sway what, ages and ages ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: I forget where everyone is. And now everyone's metamorphosized into other named companies. So yes. I never really know who's anywhere until I turn up and I go, I recognize you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. Those days were just fantastic. And then, you know, there was uh, Mitch Canner was there doing mm-hmm. his sales, and that was the whole experience. And there were so many characters, but as as time went on, the big tuna, those big commercials, the directors wanted a more like um, intimate boutique feeling and they, they had smaller budgets and DD was good at big commercials and they right. weren't easy doing the small ones. And they were doing
0: like the BMW commercials or you know, Super Bowl stuff. If it
1: was 350000 plus, they right. could handle it. If it was lower, like $150,000, oh, I don't know if we can make it work because of just... Sure overhead, yeah. Yeah, or their bidding template or their need for a certain profit. So there was a bit of conflict there, which was we need to restructure commercials because the whole world is going in that. And these really cool boutiques are opening up that have power, right? Mm -hmm. Good CG, small CG team, but really integrated. And I was like, we're going to get left behind. Like our directors that we look after will go to other companies and then they'll never come back because they'll be looked after one-on-one. Right, So more intimate. More intimate and you know, it didn't look to me like it was gonna change, um, quick enough. And then I um I got lured away. Okay. Um uh Katie Adams um left production okay. and then I ran into her on Abbott Kinney getting a slice of pizza, I think, you know, at Abbott's habit And she's like, What are you doing, Andy? And I was like, Getting pizza, <laughs> digital domain, you know, same old. Uh-huh. And she, she was working at um, PostLogic, and uh. they were closing PostLogic down. And she suddenly went, do you want your own company? Instead of closing that down, why don't you bring some of your guys over, and you can have your own company. And I was like, what? She goes, let's have a chat. And so she just sort of went right there. Do you want Just your own boutique? You could see we could get like five or six guys, Lesniak and Rusty, and yeah. a bunch of the others, and you could set up a CG team and compositing and telecine, and it, so it was like handed to me on a plate. I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> so then that little adventure of opening up a boutique happened, and uh,
0: which was Creo, right? Creo, yeah. yeah,
1: and then Creo kind of expanded. Uh, Richard Bialin and uh, Jen Sofio and a few others came in Mm -hmm. and it became Creo Collective. And um, uh, we started doing stuff with um, a lot of really cool French companies. Uh, They didn't seem to have a lot of work out there, but they had these great artists. So they would come over and we'd have like art. They'd come for three months, you know, before the visa. And we'd have like Jean-Marc and all of these super cool hot flame artists with great creative reels in. Sure. And so Creo. Was um, in London, in New York, here, and represented in Paris, but not really in Paris. Right. And we had a run there that was like fantastic, but 9 11 um, took that out of the sky because Post Logic's owned by Lugonda, and he had his money in airlines. I think he rented the airlines to the airlines. And then 9 11 killed airline traffic, and so they contracted. And in the contraction, we were sort of like, we got to merge into the Hollywood division and do film cleanup. And everyone's like, fuck that. Right. And, um, and that kind of was falling apart. And then, again, I had just meet people. My break's come by chance. Um, uh, Stefan Sonnenfeld saw Tim Conway, who was working for us. And, and uh, Tim had said, oh, yeah, it's all Creole's closing. And he's like, it is? So then he was like, come over. Why don't you come and join Riot? Bring right. your whole team. Riot. So was he part? I mean, he had Company 3, but he owned Riot
0: as well? or Well, he or?
1: had Company 3, and they were all in Ascent Media. Uh, they were Riot. all part of Ascent, Ascent Media. Media. And
0: as was Method at the time, too. Or Method no, got owned Method later.
1: Method came later, yeah. yeah that okay. was later. So this was, Riot was about four companies already had been merged together. Like yes, m- there's sound groups and a bunch of sound other. Sound group, yeah. maybe Encore, maybe. There was a bunch of companies that had been merged together. Right. And it, they had a wonderful building, but it was a post-house model instead of sure. a – that didn't really do features, and it had a hard time looking sexy for music videos. But they had good good infrastructure and good people. But they wanted like – I don't know. I think he wanted just – Creo's reel was good. And he was like, if I could detect the whole team and their are real – and integrate all the best bits. Mm-hmm. So um, we went to Riot with the mission to sort of develop and integrate. Mm-hmm. Always difficult when you go in like Creo was a startup, so it was great when you go into a company and you know personalities and you don't know what people are good at and not good at, and it's it's it was a bit tricky. Mm-hmm. But it was it was still fun and it sure. ended up being like uh, it ended up doing. You know, there was the, like, arty division and then the post-hourly division. Right. And they didn't – they worked together and they swapped work. And it was – it ended up being really, really good. But, as always, things have a lifespan. Sure. And it um, – Method were and another company were going to merge with it. And it was like – how Well, many? I
0: remember when I was actually – when I started Method, Method and Riot – yeah. Were both owned by Ascent Media, but they were still separate companies. Right. And they were competing yep. to get me as an So they were outbidding each other yep. in terms of how much they were going to pay me, but they worked for the same company.
1: Yep. <laughs> I remember and those they, conversations. They, yeah. and, and, you know, Methods Real was way sexier. Uh, you know, yeah. Method, Method had a cooler image.
0: But they had and, more of the boutique look that. You know, with Alex Farish and those guys. Who Me- were like-
1: Method was like like a creole, right? right? was It had it. was quirky, but it did award winning work and sure. it had a wonderful reel. It was creative, right? And um, when they somebody just said, "Well, let's just stick them together, like save the rent, save the this, <laughs> just stick them all in the same box because it'll and just shake it all up like a snow globe." and um
0: that's when i that's when i came on board <laughs> and that's
1: that's when i was kicked out um you know i, I kind of went through it mm-hmm. and i tried to go with it but it it was not. it was just politics and yeah. people being hurt and the, it wasn't about the work anymore and so it was about making it look good on the books and and having this corporate thing really to sell it on Right. You know, that's when Deluxe was buying it. They were selling yep. it to sell it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to get out because corporate life is starting to wear on me. I'm, I do more meetings than I do any work. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was feeling kind of obsolete anyway. I pissed them off and they kicked me out. Right. And that was an, uh, 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 was an ugly situation. So, um, that went on for a while. Right. But I just got into climbing cause I was kind of overweight and drinking too much. And I just got into exercise at the time. And right. I, so I'd, climb kilimanjaro and uh, then go into a massive motorcycle accident I that remember. nearly killed me yeah and we just had a baby and i just lost my job and it was just a world of poop at the time yeah and in a way it sort of felt a bit desperate i didn't want to go to a big company and um i wasn't feeling too good about myself i was feeling a bit like beat down like i'd been on this rocket to success and all of a sudden I'd found myself like floating in space, like not on the main vibe again and not having the energy to join a main vibe mm-hmm. or any fight in me. And um I ran into Matthew McManus, uh, who was over, I think, Untitled. He was y- using a desk there. he used to work for Riot and he'd been let go. Mm-hmm. And we were like, why don't we just make a little boutique, just like a little Salvation. You know, he has kids, young kids, I had a young kid. Why don't we just look after one or two people and try and do like a high end mini boutique. Just, just be the guys for like, say three or four directors. Mm-hmm. And so that was Kilt Studios. Yeah. And so it was small, it was low pressure. And we basically looked after people like Peter Berg, David Lynch, um, Barry Sonnenfeld and, you know, Pony Show was, uh, a wonderful production company and they represented feature directors in commercial and music video and anything outside of features. That's and a
0: really good gig. That's <laughs> That
1: was a good gig. And yeah. so Kill, although it didn't seem like it was big and in the limelight, for me, I was working with these fantastic directors. Right. And they just have a different attitude, right? And I was still working with Bruce Doward and the, sure. the other commercial directors followed me from DD, Creo. They followed. And, um, I, you know, Tony K, Bruce said, I just had these wonderful people to work with, which everyone else was like, these guys are hard work. And I said, yeah, but working for them makes me better because they're challenging. Sure, and and you know if they want to kick and scream and shout about something, I listen because I'm sure they've got a point. Right? They're not the stuff looks good at the end of the day, so I just like figure out how to do it. And um Kilt was good. I mean, it it it, it wasn't like making heaps of money and making big waves in the industry, which ultimately is one of the things that gets you invested in afterwards, right? But it sure. it, it it survived. And we survived, we got our, you know, I recovered from the crash, we, we got our kids through a certain period. All of it looked like it was like we were getting our energy back to maybe we should scale up and maybe we should do something else. And I think that's when the next financial crash hit. And um, and also my wife got cancer. Yeah. And that just put all the brakes on because all of our family really live in england mm. and uh she has two uh, brothers here but they're not in la mm-hmm. and um all of a sudden she's diagnosed with brain cancer and it was like she's got eight hours to live and it's like what and i only work i couldn't even boil an egg i was a useless human being outside of work she did everything well she survived um the eight hours they did a brain operation which they said was very low success chance of success and she survived and she fought for 18 months, ended up having two more. The last one, um, she didn't win. And um, then I'm now a single dad uh, with a, a six-year-old. And I don't even have a boiling egg. I even messed up microwave and popcorn. I really was pathetic, right? And I was not in shape. And, of course, Kilt, you know, was just like the bubble just popped because if I'm not going to be around, right. everything that they're doing is – out of pocket getting freelancers in and you know they were they were there partly because of me i had a relationship with them so the company eventually just had to fold and so i was just at sea and so you know i looked after my wife for 18 months i learned to cook i lost some weight i learned to clean and wash and become a mum dad and um i actually liked it i mean it, it it it's a I went through a serious like a reassessment of life and what I want to do and I bet. I lost all my urge to be involved in the Malaya visual effects because you have to be a hundred percent focused, you have to track people, you have to learn new stuff and it requires a lot of energy and I didn't have any really. And um I spent quite a few years just being the dad and just living off my my pension and savings and then eventually I did a few freelance jobs couldn't really manage anything too big but Brewster Parsons Darcy Parsons was an angel she kept like throwing me jobs and you know um I I worked at all I worked at a few places doing freelance gigs just enough to keep the lights on and I was thinking I'm out of the picture and I'm over I'm burnt out I'm crispy I'm like the bacon I like my bacon crispy and I felt crispy but um I I sort of healed. I got over it. I kind of, I slowly worked through the process of understanding how to live with the grief. I, I learned to be a dad, which I actually loved. I carried on doing the exercising, which, uh, kept my head straight. And, and then I kept on watching movies and I was still in love with that movie magic that originally got me in. And, um, I've eventually found a new partner and my kid's good. And I'm sort of back in action again. And, I can hold conversations and I can go out. And so I started freelancing a lot more. And I got um, some wonderful, uh, a wonderful gig with um, uh, the prehistoric planet, you know, the David Attenborough with the dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's through the BBC and they were doing an MPC film. Yeah, and yeah. Um, that was fantastic to shoot that. I was on set shooting a lot of that. That's so cool. And that was so cool. And I, rem- I, I got my... My juices were coming back. I felt rusty. Like all the other people seemed to know a lot more about the HDRs and stuff like that and could use all the cameras better than me. But I was like, practice, I'll get back into it. Right. But I got my juice back and I went, I'm not over the hill. And um, when COVID hit, a friend hooked me up with Netflix to work on um, Eurovision. Okay. So I worked on that at home uh, and I was like, yeah, films, you can do film on a home system. Like, you know, it's possible these days. Right. And so I kind of, between the commercials, doing post-work on the movies and doing the onset stuff, I was like, I can make a living again. And I can be back in the industry, but not like the guy, but one of the guys in the sure. background. And then um, what happened next? The, uh, I suddenly realized yeah, COVID again came back, right? And I was shooting this stuff, and it was like, go to Namibia to get these scenes. And I kept dumping my daughter with friends, stay here for a week, stay there for a week. And I was like, she's about to go to middle school, a teenage girl in L.A., and dad's always out shooting. I'm going to get a problem here. Mm -hmm. I need a nine-to-five job in visual effects five days a week with in-and-out start times that I can control. That's what I need. It was a fantasy. Mm -hmm. I did my little pray to the heavens. And then lo and behold, that week, Scott Rader announced his retirement, and Andy Davis was working over at... um, autochem and they were like hey Andy do you want to come and work at for autochem? they were like restaffing the west side office doing mm-hmm. episodic work for like FBI Dick Wolf shows basically oh over here uh,
0: in Santa Monica
1: in Santa Monica yeah it, uh, underneath company three right in the old line building so <laughs> do you know
0: my wife works there she does Karen Nichols
1: am I a dope <laughs> Did you can put that together <laughs> <laughs> the bleeding obvious it's like oh really
0: <laughs> I didn't even put that together until just now
1: right me neither I was like ah yeah right well what do you know <laughs> see that's what I mean by me sort of sometimes the obvious is right there flashing <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like damn it I never put that together well that is fantastic yeah so I've been over there for two two seasons right nice. and um, it's a 9 to 5 job yeah And you clock in and you clock out. And it took me about seven months to get used to this idea of clocking in and clocking out and, like, you know, clock off for a lunch break. For me, this is so long. But it's what I asked for, right? Yeah. I asked for this because I can can take my kid to the school bus and I can work. And then I hit pause and I go pick her up and then I start again. And, you know, they very rarely need overtime. They very rarely need weekends. Yep. And they have a really good system now. Well,
0: the big wolf system is, like, you know, it's, they just make these shows. they like they know how to do it. <laughs> it, it is so
1: solid, and yeah. they're constantly improving it. And I was like, "Wow!" The number, the volume of work that we get through. Like I'll see my tasks. I feel like a, I always tell people. I said I feel like the assassin, right? In uh, Ronin, I'm sitting at home painting a little model of a, a samurai and then the pager goes woo, woo, woo. and then you look at it and so you go and you get in your scooter as you go pop someone just come back carry on painting and the money's deposited <laughs> in the bank account and i said it's like that i just log in at home through the vpn yep and then the shot grid you know your yep. mission if you choose to accept it are these shots yeah okay i'll start these i'll start those later and then it just says what you have to do you do it point to all the servers render send it off for approval comes back done or make a change It's so simple, and it's so fast. And then you're like, wow, if you get 45 minutes on a shot, that's a long time. I've I've never done work so fast. But the quality is is there. Somehow, the system is so good, you don't waste any time or anything. You just like, you want a shot, click your fingers, it's right on the screen, you just do it, and it's gone. And I'm like, that's so fast. (laughs) And it's so good. And so bullet heads, blood, blowing things up, shooting windows, I'm your man. Yeah. And I like it. And so um, I was on all the shows, FBI, Chicago Med, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire. um, All the Dick Wolf shows. Law and Order. (laughs) And then uh, that was the first season. And then this season, um, Law and Order, I think they had the new people in production came in and new onset supervisor. And they'd requested, I don't know, some changes or some consistency or certain looks to the way things happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, Lewis, the guy who's running it, my supervisor, he's like, Andy, you're going to be the law and order guy. And I was just like, law and order was the one that everyone finds a bit hard to do because of the way they shoot it and stuff. Okay. And I was like, is this a demotion? And he's like, no, you, I want you to unify the look. People will work on it if you don't, but you just kind of kind of wrangle it, right? So I wrangled it and now they're very happy with law and order. Nice. And I've got my like setups. And so I do law and order and then they push me around if I'm not busy. Right. And um, they have a great team, and I I'm I'm really enjoying over there because it's it's allowed me to work full time. Sure. In a current environment, so I'm learning. I'm always learning, and I love the other Flame guys. They're yeah. they've all got their techniques. It's where old Flame guys go to die, I think.
0: Uh, well, well Flame's still pretty. Right, like, yeah. you know, my wife's a Flame. Yeah, <laughs> that? That's,
1: but they all gravitate over there, and we're all in there. About, yeah. Oh, I couldn't do another new music video. They're too stressful, and I'm like. Yeah. Ooh, and the commercial clients and their needs and yeah. over there you can protect it from all that you know yeah yeah production marie and and Lewis, they have to talk to the client and they just tell us what we need to do and we sure. do it. and so in a way, it's sort of like um you cushioned it's really nice nice. so I've enjoyed it actually that's great and my 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 juices are up and now I'm furloughed right and they've told me they want to keep me so furloughed is the word
0: well, a lot of people are furloughed. Right, the, the, the whole industry is on pause, so they can't just. I don't yeah. feel special in sure. any way. I just got
1: told I'm furloughed, and the only people that are still working there are uh, they're doing Lioness, and yep. they're, they're finishing that. So mm-hmm. I wasn't part of that that crew, but I was excited because I realized instead of getting a bottle of vodka, curling up, licking my balls, and feeling bad about life, I was like, you know what? Everything in my life these days. It's good, right? I've got a new partner, yeah. and that relationship was going good. Um, I like where I live. My kid's doing good. She's yeah. a scout. She's not, nice. not a girl scout. The boy scout's opened up to um, girls, so it's a scout. So, Very interesting. And I'm so I became an associate scout master, which uh, you see me in my scout outfit. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it will get a chuckle. I'll have to email you one just so you have it. Um, everyone laughs at that. They're sure. so, like, Andy Mack, the hedonist. Is in the scouts. Well, that makes sense because <laughs> they had a reputation. So I was like, I, I, I like exercising. I, I love cooking. I, I I've got a good life. I've rescued my life. My life is in a new chapter. That's great. And it's uh, and now I've got this job. And somehow my creative juices are boiling. So other than the fact that I'm not making any money and I'm broke, I was like, <laughs> I'm really interested in stuff. Like I'm reading about software. I've literally started going to Washava on Wednesday nights and and logging into their Zoom because there's like a group there that stay in touch with everyone. Nice. Um, You pinged me. And I was like, you've generously pinged me two or three times in the past. And I've. Oh, I kept
0: you in my, you're in my Rolodex and things happen. So they couldn't happen. And I was like, okay. Then next year it's like, oh, it's about time I ping Andy. Yeah, ping Andy
1: before he (laughs) passes over because he's getting so fucking old. And and I was like, you know what? I keep saying no to things. So I'm going to change no because no hasn't gotten me where I want to be. So I'm going to say yes. Right. And then here we are. And yeah. I was so excited. And I was like, I get very shy. I am very shy when the focus is on me. I can be around everyone fine. But as soon as everyone looks at me, sure. I turn into a lead lump Um <laughs> do all of this. Yeah. But um, I was like, you know what? I want to get back out and find something interesting. You know? Yeah. I'm going to go back to photo Yeah. But, you know, that might not last that long. Who knows when they'll want you out? Who knows when Dick Wolf will be bored? Who knows when you want something else, but right now, if PhotoChem said sorry, we're, we're we're over. I'm ready to look for something new, okay. and also how to parlay my life experiences. Maybe to go studio side, maybe go full time on set, maybe right. go into another industry, but that could use the same sort of mindset. Sure, don't. I'm not going to compete with these kids on Nuke because. <laughs> I used to stay up for three days without sleep. I ain't doing that anymore. Sure. You know, I, and th- when you're young, you've got that fire. And they know every bit of software. And they'll remember all the hotkeys. And they they watch all the tutorials because they, they're not feeding their kid and all of that stuff. And I was like, I know when I'm going to be beaten to the ground with the youth. Right. So I need to sort of parlay my elder experience somehow where I could be seen as youthful <laughs> and, and not a lead weight. So I'm in the search for some juice because I was feeling old a few years ago. Now I feel young. Nice. I keep seeing my reflection and going, Ooh, that's not who I think I am, but that's fine. We all get old.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously because, you know, you know what my wife does. I very much respect flame artists because I see magic that she does that. I know it's almost impossible to do in other ways. So, um, there's, there's definitely still a lot of magic in flame artists. And I think we were, uh, and it's an, it's not just the tool; it's the 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 yeah. attitude of the people behind it. I don't know what it is. If you find a really good flame artist,
1: yeah,
0: they can do some emotional, creative magic that no one else can do. They, yeah. Other people, flame, they have to work through a specific process and go through the thing. But and it's like I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my ass, right? <laughs> you know? M- my ass, <laughs> and, and it, a lot of rabbits, yeah. And so it's always amazing to see what can be done in that. And so I was always had a huge respect for, for that attitude. On top of which, you also have to have the skill of doing that in front of the customer (laughs) and the client. Juggling. What sushi do you want? Yeah. What sushi do you want? Yeah. Oh, you lobster? Okay, we'll get you lobster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's quite a show, and I mean. I've always loved the show and I still don't sort of shy away from the show, but I understand now a lot of the asks of clients are much more complicated and you do need a bigger team. Sure. And so sometimes you're like, well, that has to get tracked, that has to be lit. People have to do their thing and then it come back. So it's more of a boomerang now. Sure. But um Yeah. But you put it all together. <laughs> yeah, the process of a lot of the process and pipelines that people have today very efficient, Mm -hmm. very organized, they're very uh, programmed, and they work. Mm -hmm. But the flame is your Navy SEALs. Sure, They're the ones you send in when it's just a bit too difficult to organize or it's gone wrong and it needs fixing Mm -hmm. or there's a problem or the client just wants to sit in there and fool around and feel special. So you can sit in there and do enough for them to really feel special. And they can interact with you, and you don't say, go to lunch and come back. You just do it and beat on it right there. Right. It's a toolbox, right? Sure. And you can wire it any which way you like. And I would have flame dreams where I'd sit working on stuff, and I'd, I'd be, oh, I just can't get it. And I'd go home and drink some wine, have dinner, and dream through the flame eye. <laughs> and then I'd, I'd see it. I'd be like, oh. Oh, if I just, if I take that out of there and I do this to it, and then maybe I run it through that, and then oh, oh, oh I'm back to work first thing in the morning. And they're like, "Where the hell did you get that from?" I said I reached really deep up the rabbit cage and I pulled out this big hair, <laughs> and um, and yeah. you come up with stuff, yeah. and you don't even know you can come up with it. You just get inspired and you go back and rework it. Sure, there's definitely an industry. and that's when people say that. uh, That's when I think there's still hope for me because I've, I'm an old dog with lots of old tricks and some of those old tricks still work today even with the new tools sure i mean you're on set and they're like oh you can you can just fix that right that can's got a dent in it and i'll be like get 30 cents get a new one out of the vending machine and just greek that out because we can put a cg one in but with all the spritz and interaction and lighting and all that your budget's gonna be muffed right just spend half an hour and do it now right and they're like aren't you losing money saying that i said yeah but the money's going to be on film so then i'll have something worth showing <laughs> right, right yeah it's funny how people it's easy if it's easy they say it's easy on set and you go oh, no it's not going to be easy later
0: i remember well, i did it a short uh ages and ages ago with a bunch of other visual effects people and one of the we hired some dp to help us out and he was he was surprised he's like why aren't why aren't you putting green screen back there? And it's like, oh, no, because that's too much work. <laughs> yeah. We know it's going to be a lot of work, so no, forget it. We're going to we're gonna do it some other way. He's like, but you guys know how to do it. He says, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we know what it costs. You know what it costs. We know what it will yeah. take.
0: Yeah, so so he's like, no, we'll do this in camera. It'll be cheaper.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It's, it's good. So my weirdest thing right now is – if you take your, if you're driving a ship in the world of visual effects, you know, your contemporaries, you're watching this company be bought by that one, that company explodes, with the real team move here. I've took my uh, eye off of that for a while now. And sure. so there's so many new names, so many new players, so many new ways of doing things that I look at it and I'm kind of going, wow, I feel like I have to go back to college just to figure out who the fuck who is. Because right. there's so many places. Sure. But it is exciting. Right. I mean, and you know, there's a lot of visual effects. I've been watching all the movies this week, and you watch the credits, and it's walls and walls of names. And sure. I'm like, that's why I'm not taking on the youth, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, you know, you can go to college for it now and yeah. learn it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I get it. I, get I it. picked it up by making tea and looking over someone's shoulder. <laughs> Bam, the secret art, the dark art. <laughs> but I'm, I'm super stoked. I think there's a lot of. Fun to be had. I see great visuals, um, a lot of enthusiasm. I still think we need movies. We need. Oh, I visuals. think movies are back. Yeah. Honestly,
0: I know there's a strike going on. And everything else, but I think there's a. I think uh, I think Coppola said with Barbie and Oppenheimer, we're in the dawn of a new, um, right, new film of filmmaking, a new kind of filmmaking, and I think that's true. I think I'm excited about it, uh, and I think people are starting to. Do guerrilla like think about everything everywhere all at once. That yes. is so guerrilla style.
1: That was so good though. Yeah. These so guys good. are just
0: figuring shit out as they go. Yeah. And they look at what they
1: did. Yeah. And the bar so, I mean, you know, all the movies that have been out, you know, they're just so technically good. Yeah. I mean, you know, your stories are always questionable, right? You know, but I mean, I watched Mission Impossible and I looked at it and I was like, wow, some of the camera work and that is good. Oppenheimer, like, it's just like the photography was yeah. good and, you know. Barbie. But even things like
0: Top Gun was amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you go, and I like, you know, I go watch the the old one first. Sure. And then you watch it and you go, wow. You know, story-wise. Same story. Same story. <laughs> but like, when you look at like the, the craft of filmmaking. Oh, it's beautiful. It's
0: amazing.
1: And you just get excited.
0: It just gets your juices going.
1: Gets me juices going. Andy mm-hmm. Davis said to me uh, two days ago, he goes, um, his wife didn't want to go see Oppenheimer with him. And he okay. goes, so I've got a ticket to the Chinese man's. <gasps> and it's like the early morning 1030 show. I'll pick you up. Do you, are you interested? And I was like, hell yes. Yeah. I got driven over there. We, we get some candy and a bottle of water. And he picks like really quite close to the screen seats. And I hadn't been there for years. And okay. I was like, the seats are pleasantly uncomfortable, like a cinema seat should be. Sure. And if some assholes tap in on a seat, like, Five seats away, it's shaking your back and you want to kill them. Right. Just like the old days. But right. it was phenomenal. 70 yeah. mil print. Nice. And I was just like, it's, that's the magic. I had goosebumps. Just, just sitting in the cinema watching the, the credits come up and seeing weave and seeing grain and seeing the image fluctuate, it was like alive. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, this still works. I yep. mean, I, I've got great TVs at home and I love streaming sure. in 4K and all that stuff. But it's not the same. Yeah. It was fun. It's not the same as going to see it. Yep. And so we
0: I'm gonna go see Meg Two tomorrow with my son.
1: <laughs> Meg two, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that.
0: It look up the director of Meg Two. He's an incredible independent film director. So I have a feeling this is gonna be a take you by surprise kind of movie.
1: Oh. Okay.
0: I have a feeling or it definitely doesn't take itself seriously.
1: I will tell you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, I, to be honest, I'll I'll try and watch anything at the cinema. I mean, right. I I still weep at the at the arc light being closed and the mm-hmm. uh, the landmark. I'd always go. We'd go. Well,
0: something else will 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 buy that property. I'm sure.
1: I hope so. I mean, I hit the hit the back house, have a, a sake and a little bit of sushi, run across, see the movie, and then go back to the back house mm-hmm. and then sit and chat. Whoever I'm with, yeah. we'll chat about the movie and eat a bit more fish. I was like, damn, sweet days. Nice. Yeah, some sweet days.
0: You should check out my other podcast. I don't know if you heard Martini Giant, but that's another one I do. I'll tell you all about it at lunch.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, like if, you're, if
0: you're a big movie guy, that's, you sh- yeah, you should listen to Martini Giant. Oh,
1: yeah, I'm hooked. Even when I'm working, one of the good things about Photocam is um, I'm working from home, and I've pimped out my garage, right. wood floor, Persian rug, all my DVDs, still got them, nice. and all my coffee table books and all my vinyl. I've got my CD decks. I've got you know uh, lounge lighting. I've got it's a it's a man cave, proper man sure. cave. All I need is like a smoking gown and a pipe for mm-hmm. it to be real, like old school. And um, I have movies play constantly. I just put them on. And uh, look, I can't watch new ones because I'll watch them. Sure. But I'll put on all my old favorites. And I've right. got the big seventy-eight inch plasma in the corner, yep. which was left of my telecine suite. When it dies, it's dead. And then I've got my other one. So I just put movies on. So I sit listening to things. I did
0: that recently. You know what I watched? I watched the super long extended version of all of the Lord of the Rings ones. So <sighs> the, the, the four and five hour epi- right. versions of each. And I was like, these are long. But you can dig this beyond forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you can go to the bathroom.
1: You come back. You know exactly where you are because it moves so slowly. <laughs> He's still in the same sentence he was saying. Um, yeah, I did Monty Python. I do a in series I did nice. like uh, a Tarantino Nice. Week and then I did a Monty every Monty Python show, and I just kind of like put them all on and like watch them, you know. Like, Amazing. like say, Mission Impossible, I'd, I'd do all seven of them or whatever it is, you know, right. just sit and watch them all back to the back till you're like thrown up. Oh, I can't take another bit. Oh, yeah, let it end. But, um, it's nice, you know, I like it's good. It's sort of, I, I don't feel like I've abandoned all of that stuff. I've yeah. still got the juices back. I just need to figure out where where they should be applied, nice, nice and how nice. to apply them. So, you know, I think in these times, I, I have a lot of friends that are feeling down and desperate, and they're all looking at me saying, what medication are you on? Cause, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not on anything. I just suddenly feel good about things for some strange reason. Good. Life is good. good. Life is good. Money's not good, but everything else in life is is good. Excellent. And all this change, I think is like kicked me out of the nest, you know, and so I feel like getting back into it, because the reason I asked you to come here is, I want to get out of the house and i want to see <laughs> I'm people glad in person you said,
0: i'm glad you said it too i was like well I, uh, well yes let's do that let's do that and i you know so i'm glad we did it i'm really really glad we did it yeah and also I mean, we'll continue to enjoy ourselves we were actually just uh, over an hour already oh which perfect. is g- perfect so uh so this is uh, a great place to, to to leave us off but we will definitely go out to lunch and continue our conversation about our love of movies And about all the things we do. So awesome. Thank you, Andy, for doing this.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure.